Hello and welcome to another episode. Um, we're getting a little reverb, that's okay. Lee just got a new personal computer. We're really excited for him. We're also joined by the one queen. Um, originally, he was going to be a guest. However, our normal co-host, Jerry, is MIA. We don't know if he got in a crash. We don't know if he's drunk in a bar. Queen, how's it going? How's your week going, Lee? How's the new work computer? Hey, man, it's great. Uh, happy to be here. First time, long time. This is also a great opportunity for me. Uh, maybe if I perform well, I could uh, replace Jerry as the third. And then, you know, next time Jerry could be the guest. Yeah. And Jerry, you know, he might be at Charlie's right now and he might never come back. So <laughs> I think true. We're, we might need a replacement. All right. Well, I can pinch hit anytime. I actually did see at Charlie's, I think tonight is designer underwear night. If you guys don't follow them on Instagram, uh, men who wear designer underwear drink for free which seems like oh, something man. that we should we should go to denver and do like i'll go to Charlie's and designer underwear oh yeah it's also really easy to get a knockoff designer underwear in new york they sell them on the street corners and stuff so i can get y'all some gucci briefs you got some louis vuitton uh skivvies you name it the same place you get the puff bars at you can get illegal <laughs> knockoff on designer underwear in the back Exactly. You just got to know, uh, you got to know who to ask and uh, when to ask and how to ask. You know, Lee, this is a really nice segment into our usual segment. You know, what designer underwear are you wearing right now? Um, I currently have some Calvin Klein's on. Oh, nice. La-ti-da. I actually saw a tweet today. It was a sponsored tweet. Uh, Calvin Klein was like, what do you do after you wake up in your Calvin Klein briefs? And uh, this guy replied, uh, have a boner and then take a shit. <laughs> yeah. Is that how you started your day, Pimo? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I jerked off and then took a shit. But Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you got to get rid of the boner first. Exactly, exactly. I woke up with a boner and you know jerked off into a mask and then took a yeah. shit. Yeah. Do you think it's physically possible to take a shit with a boner? Is that I've never done it before. Is, this, is it possible to learn this power? It's a really good, I think I've done it before, like woken up, really needed to take a shit, been erect. Um, the right to erect is a big platform of mine. And uh -huh. like, you know, hey, we're getting into interesting conversation already here. You know how whenever you shit, you have to pee as well. And it's like, I kind of had to, you know, tuck it down and like force it out at the same time. Um, mom and dad, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure they are. are we going to... Or air this? Do your parents listen to this? Do my parents don't even know that I still do a podcast, honestly. <laughs> yeah, my parents, they, they gave this shit up a while ago. We've been doing this way too long for, for yeah. us to still have listeners. Obviously, Jerry <laughs> it up too a little while ago. Yo, Pimo, oh, you know I've got some reverb off of you. You keep kind of cutting out a little bit every now and then. I hear that Lee, too. I that? hear that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My co-host isn't here. I'm going to go on mute and put my AirPods in. Hopefully that'll help. All right, nice. Cool. Um, Lee and I will fill time. That, that could happen is that uh, Jerry is actually the one whose family I think still does listen to our episodes, and he's not here. <laughs> if he comes in late and then we release all this, then Jerry's dad is going to hear this. Then Jerry's not going to know we released it because he's never going to listen to the episode when we send it, when Pimo sends it to us, because I don't either. But yeah, yeah, so. I, I I've been on a couple of podcasts for a lot. Also, hi, Mr. Pendleton, how you doing? Hope it's uh, hope it's hanging all right. Uh, I've done a couple of podcasts and I did not listen to either of them. Uh, I did them for Law Three Hundred and Sixty, and I just I can't stand the sound of my own voice. So yeah, you, <laughs> I'd rather so not hear. Have, you've done real podcasts. We 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 have a real uh, veteran guest here today, our guest host. Uh, oh, yeah, so you're a real podcaster. True. Yeah, yeah. Although usually I'm uh, the two pods that I've done, uh, usually talking about the Justice Department and so forth. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Justice Department will come up at some point uh, during these <laughs> proceedings here. So uh, I'll be ready for that. But yeah, I have a tendency to talk fast. So if I'm doing that, just kind of wave at me. I'll try to slow it down. Well, once Especially we get into the Cowboys, <laughs> once we get into <laughs> Cowboys stuff, we'd probably rather you you talk fast because it's funny. Um, but, you right, know, well, for for now, we can keep it at this level. Uh, like, is this where does this rank in terms of uh, podcast appearances? You know, I mean, like, are we a little harder to book than you know? I know you went through our agent. Uh, I mean, our what was our our agent's name for this one? Arnold uh, Rothenberg. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and Arnold contacted my agent, Ari Fleisch and Weinsteinberger. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, well, you know, I had to move some things around. I'm kind of a regular on Come Town these days. Um, Also Red Scare, you know, resident uh, man analyst. That's kind of my role. Uh, I I don't go on Chapo, actually. They're not diverse enough. I don't like that. Although, um, but, Queen, I, I did hear you. Is my reverb any better? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think, okay. yeah it sounds good so far. Good. Um, I did hear you on the True Anon podcast recently. Um, oh, of course. The, the special talking about the Stephen Paddock, but, you know, that, that's a little dark for this podcast. So, maybe well, we'll, if you want to go down that uh, path, I could uh, tell you a lot of interesting things about yeah, the Stephen yeah. Paddock case, to let's say just, the least. Yeah. Let's just say, and you know, didn't... Area 51 may or may not tie in. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting how that uh, house fire started shortly after um, that situation. Also, uh, Inklings of his previous contacts with the FBI, the ease at which he was able to get these weapons into that building. There's all sorts of interesting stuff to talk yep. about there. There definitely is a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you? Didn't you also just debate uh, Shapiro on the Daily Wire the other day? Oh yeah, I mean, it was hard to get a word in edgewise with him because um, you know, you know the way he talks. He's always going very, very fast. And my thing, for the sake of argument, uh, it, it, theoretically, uh, is also to go very fast. But uh, he he really outmatches me. He's sort of like a, he's like he shoved a speedball up his ass for the sake of argument, uh, theoretically. And uh, yeah, so he he kind of got the best of me. I've got to admit, you know, I mean, you're a true warrior in the in the arena in the arena of rhetoric. You've got to admit when you've been bested. And uh, I gotta say, he kind of talked circles around me. This we were uh, talking argument. about the we were talking about the Carhartt situation. How uh, woke Carhartt is now uh, still requiring their employees to get vaccinated. Yeah, you did a you did a great job, and you raised some some great points. Um, but yeah, Mr. Shapiro, in the end, he did convince everyone not to buy Carhartts because they're firing their unvaccinated employees. You did lose. So yeah, yeah. no more Carhartts. No, yeah. I'm hearing uh, from my sources that Carhartt is uh, exploring bankruptcy right now, actually, uh, because of that impact of that podcast. So um, I guess maybe that's kind of on me. R.I.P. Carhartt. Um, you, were, yeah. you, were, you had a chance to save Carhartt and you failed. It's, it's well, really sad. You know what? I'm kind of tired of seeing Carhartt all over Brooklyn anyway, because uh, it's basically the uniform of trendy uh, dudes and ladies and uh, people, non-binary people, of course, all over Brooklyn. Everyone's wearing Carhartt all the time. I refuse to because, you know, I stand for, you know, I, I, I've reconsidered after appearing in that pod. I stand for, you know, workers' rights to not get vaccinated. You know, it's their body, their choice, if you ask me. Yeah, their body, their choice. You know, what's funny, we, I was actually just thinking about was this Carhartt thing reminded me of the Goya thing when the Goya, oh, yeah. remember, remember <laughs> Goya when, when they yeah. don't, it's like they donated some really small amount of money to Trump. And then there was the Goya boycott where all the libs were like, throw out your Goya, like dump your Goya. And then all the Republicans were like, yeah, we're going to buy Goya. So I was thinking about how like probably a lot of like, Mexican people who liked Goya stopped buying it, but they were replaced by all white people who just started buying it like crazy in the South. And like, and then Ivanka Trump had the picture holding the Goya up. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was great content. Was I think funny. it was even less than a donation. I think it was just like the CEO said something favorable to Trump as like an offhanded remark at some point. He was like, Oh yeah, I think he's doing a good job. And that was enough. I mean, it's just like in the Trump era, like our our discourse and our politics is just like an incredibly hot skillet and if you toss even the tiniest thing in there it's just it explodes and so this offhanded remark by the goya ceo was enough to initiate uh competing boycotts and boycotts yeah that was That's really a term hard. i'm trying to introduce boycotts the opposite of a boycott where uh people suddenly start buying something to support yeah yeah you get it like my pillow, like like people yeah. are probably o- overreacting about like who the fuck cares about my pillow? People are boycotting my pillow, and then I'm pretty sure like Joe Rogan had him on as a guest and like was like, oh, yeah. this guy's standing up for what he believes and go out and buy my pillow. That's hilarious <laughs> that it's like it is it is a boycott. It's great. Yeah, I mean maybe that pillow is fire. I gotta say, I mean I don't want to really support that company necessarily. Actually, no, I you won't. know what? Look, he's a recovering drug addict. He spent like 20 years just doing crack all the time. And now he's a small business owner. And I think that's pretty great. You know, Um, he just when he was doing all that crack, he could never sleep. And he decided, you know, it's the pillow. That's the problem, not the crack. Um, And maybe he's on to something. 
But you see how he, uh, he claims to have enough evidence of voter fraud to send uh, 300 million people to prison, which would leave yeah. about 55 million Americans left, which would be mostly, I guess, children and people who can't vote. Um, so that'll I, I'm a little bit worried. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, that that would be good for the prison systems, though. I mean, you know that they could really use the extra inmates right now. So I, I'm kind of for oh, yeah. that. You know, let's get more people into prison. Um, let's make sure that we can make all those private prisons profitable because the worst thing in the world would be for them to start losing money. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. COVID actually took a big toll on private prisons. They lost a lot of inmates. So as we go through recovery, it's actually, it's not really virtuous, like not to support Mike Lindell and my pillow locking people up because we need to support these businesses. Uh, to get yeah, back out there. They're they're small to mid-sized businesses, and these are jobs we're talking about. Whole communities depend on these prisons. All right, we the NFL. Yeah, maybe maybe let's do that. <laughs> well, in talking about the NFL, I think it's only right that we start with the first game of the weekend and kind of work our way towards the game that we brought you on for, Queen. Sure, Bengals Raiders. Was that the best game of the weekend? I think it might have been. I mean, if you look at the other games, um, they really didn't have that factor that that game had. That game wasn't even that good either. Um, So maybe we should just not do this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the the only one that was evenly matched. I mean, the the Cowboys-Niners was close, but it wasn't close. I mean, it was only close with the score. It wasn't actually a close game. The the Niners were in control the whole whole time. But, yeah, Bengals-Raiders, that was a competitive game. It's just unfortunate because those are the teams that people care least about. Yeah, but I did – I was, like, rooting for both those teams because neither – we talked about this in the last pod. I'm sure you listened, Queen. Um, Of course. But how – yes. (laughs) That, uh, you know – the one we dropped on a, on a Friday afternoon when to preview the games that started on Saturday afternoon. So yeah. And when you, when you talked about your hemorrhoids and the cold open and the difficulties, well, you, you got it. Yeah. 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 yeah those, of course. Of course. Or the, that might've been the premium episode where you talked about your hemorrhoids, but yeah. Oh yeah. You have, you have B team goal. I forgot that. Our yeah, standard exactly. Subscribers, exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't have yeah. heard the hemorrhoid bits, but those were good bits. But yeah, not not a great weekend of football, but that game I was like either team winning I would have been happy about. Um I feel like the Bengals are a little bit better and the Raiders, but the Raiders were just so scrappy and I wanted to see I've been defending Derek Carr for years, getting a lot of shit mm. for it, so I wanted to see him pull through and he played okay. You know, he wasn't that bad. He wasn't through it. But the Bengals I think are a better team and I think Bengals Titans is a way better game than Raiders Titans. So I'm glad they I pulled agree. it out. I missed a lot of that game. I was I was watching on my phone in a in a bar in Burlington. I don't know if you guys have any more in depth analysis we need to get into. Any I think things? the thing uh, that you know maybe we need to talk about most, and this kind of translated a little bit into the Cowboys game too, is the refereeing. Uh, that whistle. I don't know if you guys were privy to that, but there was a whistle on Joe Burrow's incredible play. It looked like the Raiders' DBs stopped playing for a little bit there. Uh, that definitely impacted the game, and Jerome Boger and the rest of that crew really did not officiate that game very well to the point that the NFL came out and said that they will not be officiating any more games in the playoffs. Um, outside of that, I don't have too much. I mean, the Raiders were scrappy. The Bengals on offense looked good. It'll be interesting for that Titans game for sure to see how that offense matches up against the Titans defense knowing that Derrick Henry comes back. I do think the Bengals are lacking a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, but luckily, you know, came up against a Raiders team without Henry Ruggs and um, mm-hmm. other, <laughs> other key players as well. So I think that, you know, Bengals is probably the more interesting one moving forward, but it was, it's good to see Rick Scaramucci uh, in the playoffs or whoever the coach is for the Raiders. I think he definitely earned that job with his performance with that team. This yeah, year. I mean, that's another weird dynamic with the Raiders this season, right? Where it's like if they really did have this kind of semi-Cinderella run, it would have been a little bit strange against the backdrop of, you know, granted it's not any of the players, it's not anyone's fault mm-hmm. except Gruden's, but against the backdrop of what happened with Gruden and his extraordinary fall from grace, it, it would have been a little, I don't know. A little bit awkward if the if the Raiders had a big run. Uh, you know. That was the, the media spin on it was like, this is the crazy Cinderella story. And yeah, agreed. Like for the players, it totally is. 
but they weren't really saying why. They're like they dealt with so much hardship, but the hardship did come from a guy getting too drunk and killing somebody and a coach saying racist and homophobic <laughs> things for years. <laughs> and that yeah, was the yeah. hardship they dealt with. Yeah, I didn't even mention the rugs thing, but yeah, that's another I'd, I'd argue that's the more that's the bigger black eye for their season. Yeah, oh, they man. did have the first openly gay player in the NFL this year, too. That kind of got, you know, that kind of got swept under the rug because of. The yeah, but also thing. Gruden was talking shit about um, the NFL trying to get gay players involved. So that kind of I feel like those things kind of cancel out. <laughs> Maybe it makes <laughs> it even more of a Cinderella story. Yeah, like the so. fact that Nassib is coming out and like you know, it's a huge moment for him and his teammates, but then he has this homophobic coach who's talking about the NFL becoming gayer behind the scenes. Like that maybe yeah, makes them even yeah. more of a story. Right. Yeah. Then he goes on to win the, win a ring and Gruden doesn't get one. Yeah. Ooh. Although would Gruden have gotten a ring? Because isn't it, if you were ever on the team in the season that they win the Super Bowl in, can't you still get a ring? Isn't that how it works? Or is it, if you just join late, you can get one. I think you're right, but I would hope that maybe Mark Davis or yeah, Mark Davis has enough class to decide to not give, you know, Henry Ruggs and John Gruden a ring if they <laughs> hypothetically had made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, that being said, I know the Raiders organization doesn't have too much class at a baseline. That's why they moved to Las Vegas. So they probably would have ended up with a ring. They might have even bailed Ruggs out for the ring ceremony, you know, done it at his house with the uh, the bracelet on. So. Yeah, boy, what do you think would happen with a Super Bowl ring that got like delivered to rugs in prison? Like, <laughs> I think that would probably find its way into the commissary or another yeah, kind of asshole. A, feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it'd be a feeding frenzy. I feel like your asshole would be the only safe place to keep it. But you know, <laughs> like each of those little diamonds that you could prick out of there could, uh, you know, really go a long way for a lot of those guys. You could trade that thing for a lot of cigs, though. This is true. No, except they don't let you smoke cigs in prison anymore. It's pretty fucked up. Oh, oh yeah, that is fucked. Yeah. No, is there no nicotine in prison? I, maybe they've got Zin. I don't know. Maybe it's dip. I just know that, um, yeah, they, they've basically eliminated cigs, which I think is, you know, if you're trying to stem violence in prison, I feel like cigs would be a good way to go. And, you know, they sort of act as a currency that people can barter with. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, we, should I, we need to reintroduce cigs to prisons. That should be a B team initiative. Yeah, you know what? The Democrats going into the midterms, they need some issues to rile up voters and like get people back on their side. And you know, maybe SIGs for prisoners could be, you know, a good thing to add to the platform. Definitely for prisoners. That's a perfect segue into the Patriots game. SIGs for prisoners. <laughs> the New England uh, Patriots. Lee, you know, as a Patriots fan for the past 27, 28 years of your life, how was that to watch? I mean, it, it it's nice to make it to the playoffs, but then that game was over about 15 minutes into it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've always had this, uh, this lingering Patriots belief that they can come back from anything, but kind of knew this one, they weren't going to stop them. And Mac had like, you know, he's just not good enough to come back in that kind of game. Man, that was the worst game I've ever seen. That was the worst Patriots playoff game, like, you know, ever one of the worst playoff games ever. Uh, I just can't believe how far the Patriots fell from like the middle of the season when I legitimately for a second was like, they might be the best team in the league. And it like comes down to the defense. Like Mac, you kind of expect him to be a game manager. They want to run the ball the whole game. He can make a couple big throws. He's not there yet. Their receivers aren't that great. The defense, just something happened. Judon got hurt. We were, uh, they, they were missing two of their like corners. So they were, had two practice squad guys playing. That was just, I can't believe how far off like they fell. I mean, similar to the Cardinals and the Cowboys in a way where like in the Colts, like at one time, all these teams looked great. And then by the time you got to the playoffs, like kind of knew they were fucked. I just didn't know they were mm-hmm. that fucked. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be a much closer game. Um, and I actually went to the gym for the start of it. And by the time I left, it was 28 nice. to nothing. So kind of a, you know, kind of a good call shows how fun my Saturday nights are here in Denver going to the gym. Um, you know, just, a, just an overall good, good time here. Yeah. Great city to be in. Um, not, you know, I think the big story there is the bills. The bills look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's, I know it's not the best Patriots team, but 
really impressive performance from the Bills. I think Josh Allen definitely took some Viagra before the game because there was no issues with the circulation in his hands whatsoever. Oh, he was fully torqued. He, he looks great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Lee, I was also a little bit surprised that they weren't able to mount any sort of comeback at all because I think that, I mean, one of the things that I admire most about Belichick is his ability to make um, halftime adjustments and, and mid-game adjustments, and there was just none of that, and I thought, yeah. He was very conspicuously absent from the game almost. Uh, it, it seems strange to me. Yeah, it was so it was so so weird that they had just like I mean the 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 Bills scored in every single drive. That's the most like unbelichick thing ever. Like they always they usually come out at halftime down us down like two scores and then they they defense tightens up and then the Patriots win at the last second. That's just yeah. how it goes. And they and get they do some time. crazy shit on special teams and have a couple yeah. of trick plays up their sleeves. And I mean, I might push back a little bit on your critique of Mac Jones. I mean, I, I agree that ultimately, you know, he he was not exactly ready for the big time in the way that Josh Allen was. I mean, obviously he's incredibly green. He had a very nice season, but it's a different story when you're in Buffalo and the real temperature was what, like negative nine or something like that. We know that from the last game that he was playing in incredibly cold temperatures where he threw what two passes. I mean, he doesn't have a ton of experience three. doing that, but I three, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but I did think he was kind of plagued by drops too. I mean, that yeah. was sort of something I remember from the game was that, you know, Mac threw a lot of really good balls, including a few deep balls and like critical third and long balls that uh, his guys just dropped. And, you know, there's nothing he can do about that. Yeah, Bolden had a big like third and fifteen drop that would have put them in field goal range. Like mm-hmm. while the game was still close, might have switched momentum. No, I don't. I don't blame the game on Mac at all. I, it's you know if the defense could have held him close, then that's where it was. But it just the team fell apart. That like that was their formula. So you know, just hoping next year that Mac can take another step and get better. But yeah, the Bills Bills are a wagon. Uh, Bills Chiefs this weekend is going to be fucking sick that's gonna be a great oh, yeah. game it'll be a barn burner i'm really excited for that qb matchup i mean josh allen looks so good in that game and as you mentioned mm-hmm. i mean the the pads d folded a little bit but i think a lot of that had to do with just how well josh allen was playing yeah I, he I didn't miss he just, yeah he just he just drove them under and just maintained the momentum firmly on the bill's side and i, I just they couldn't turn the tide and he ran like seven carries for like 70 yards, like mm-hmm. plus, you know, six touchdowns or whatever the fuck he he had. That's that's going to be tough to stop that. Uh, yeah, that Chiefs mat- quarterback matchup is is perfect right now. After yeah. that, that's the thing about this, like extra playoff team maybe getting in is wildcard weekend sucked. But next weekend is going to be really good, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. In fact, is that a good segue to jump into the Chiefs Bills matchup? Because uh I think that's a pretty good one to talk about. Or I guess we got to finish talking about the games that happened. I, I think it's a great segue considering our segue into this one was cigarettes in prison. Um, <laughs> looking looking ahead to that Bills-Chiefs matchup, which I do agree. And if you look at that slate of Sunday games, I mean, do we even need to talk about the Eagles-Bucks? No, that was one of the more that one. bigger beatdowns I've ever seen. Yeah, you know. It's, it's not even Eagles, worth talking about. The, the Eagles had a couple chances to make it maybe competitive, but Jalen Hurts just was a two score game at the, at the, at the end with like five minutes left, but it but was, see, at that yeah. point in the game, at that point in the game, it's like, you're letting up the gas a little bit, you know, you're, you're yeah. trying to make sure nobody gets hurt. You know, you have a comfortable enough lead to where they can score a couple touchdowns and it's not going to matter. I, I don't know, but I, that's a good enough analysis of that game for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts ahead, sucks, but Jalen Jalen Hurts, I don't think is it. Um, but you know, we'll see. The the Broncos don't have it either. A lot of teams don't have it either. At least they made it to the playoffs. Um, looking ahead though to next weekend, and you know, thinking about that Chiefs Bills game, who do you guys like there? Who you know, it, I, I'm looking at the money line, it's pretty even there. I think Chiefs are minus one thirty, Bills are plus one fifteen. So definitely an even matchup in Vegas's eyes. They played earlier this season. It was in that time period when the Chiefs weren't maybe hitting their stride. Um, Bills were kind of up and down in the early season. Bills look like they're coming into form at the right time, but Chiefs might be too, especially after that beatdown of the Steelers. Yeah, I think this is like two, the two the two best teams in the AFC, in my opinion, and they're <laughs> both peaking at the right time. That's how this game's going to be so good. I'm going to just – I'm picking the Chiefs, like, just, like, because I think they're the Chiefs and they're going to do it. Um, but the Bills look 
amazing right now. And I think they're a smart bet, you know, if we're talking gambling, take, <laughs> but like, I think just like straight up B team professional picks, I'm taking the chiefs. Yeah. I think I have to agree with you there. I, I was sort of when the chiefs were having their flop era midway through the season and Mahomes was throwing all those picks. I sort of, I was sort of delighting in that just because, you know, not that I want Mahomes to fail, but I was a little sick of how, you know, perfect and incredible he was. And I guess envy played a role in that, but watching him, and the rest of that Chiefs squad play against the Steelers. I mean, I know it's the Steelers we're talking about, but nonetheless, just the dominant performance that they put on, it, it just, to me, it really cast in such sharp relief how elite that squad is. I mean, just when you look at what Holmes was doing, extending plays, what um, Tyreek Hill was doing, busting out and just like having these explosive big yardage plays. And then also Travis Kelsey all night throwing perfect blocks, then also being right there at the perfect time, getting so many yards after catch. I mean, just there, there were innumerable plays during that game where the chiefs showed how incredibly talented they were. And yes, they were up against the Steelers, but I, I, I struggle to think of any defense that could have done much about some of those plays because they were just brilliant. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And as somebody who hates the Chiefs with all my might, um, seeing them kind of coming into form right now is scary. I think it should be scary, not just for the rest of the AFC, but for the entire league right now. That's uh, a team that's been to back-to-back Super Bowls, almost made it that year. The Pats ended up getting there. Um, I would be surprised if they aren't in the AFC championship game again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, that, that trio of Kelsey, um, Hill and Mahomes. And then also who was that uh, new running back they brought in? Um, uh, that game? Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had a hell of a game too. I, I mean, so it, it's just that star power on offense. is just, it's, it's, it's so formidable. And I, I don't know if the, if the bills just have as many weapons. Um, I mean, Josh Jarek McKinnon, is, they're, their running back, he was like kind of a stud on uh, on the Vikings for a second, and then he went to go be the starter in San Fran, and he blew out his ACL, missed like two years, and then he he's been like coming back slowly all year, and now he's he's back. That could be huge for them. But then the Bills have Singletary, who stinks yeah. at running back. So like, I think the Chiefs definitely. We have Jerry. Uh, oh, they're still on mute, so we'll wait a second. But for B-Team Gold uh, viewers, you can see that Jerry is freshly back from Charlie's with a beer in his hand. <laughs> wonder if he brought that from Charlie's. One of the best. Does he, have, does he have designer underwear on, though? That's the question for designer underwear night. Designer underwear on. It was the hottest in the club. And, yeah, you missed an incredible water bottle drop just now. It went down the stairs. I would be like, is this muted? Because I would have interrupted everything. It, it was muted okay. because I, I didn't foresee that coming. Um, but I knew that there was going to be some noise the second Jerry entered the house here. And, um, yeah, he dropped his water bottle down nine flights of stairs. We currently have a waterfall cascading down. But luckily, you know, our landlord's great. Shout out Robert Peruca. He'll be yeah, up Robert here. Peruca. Yeah. Also, the pod comes first, you know. After. And, and he'll, he'll definitely understand that. After pod problem. Jackie Queen. Great to see. How we doing? How we doing, Haroldton? Probably better than you. Three days after, at least my team just kind of sucks. So we. (laughs) Well, you know what? I was really impressed by late season Lions doing some really cool stuff with upsets. I I really enjoyed that. I know that showed they had some backbone and some uh, some moxie going into the off season. You love to see that. Absolutely. I mean, I already told these guys I'm ordering my Dan Campbell T-shirt um, this offseason, so I'll be rocking a Dan Campbell tee, bite the kneecaps off. Um, with a he- He's going to have a headset on. He's going to say, bite the kneecaps off the back if I need to get a custom will. Um, because this guy, this guy, this team, this, this city, this city, um, you put it all together and, you know, brighter skies ahead. Sure as hell better than losing 47 to negative 14, like the Patriots in the playoffs, right? <laughs> I, I, I think you might be right because I it it does suck to believe a little bit in a team like Queen and I both did at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And then to slowly see or realize what's going to happen. And then for my case, it all to happen really fast. For Queen, he got to be teased a little bit even more. Maybe it's the worst for Queen. 
I think I would argue that it was worse because I mean, for me, it was just, it was such a slow bleed. And there were so many points where it points where it looked like we could, you know, get things back together. Um, you know, even though I think altogether we were outclassed on all sides of the ball from, you know, the beginning to end, there were, you know, the score was always relatively close and there were plenty of points where the momentum could have shifted, but then we just did things to fuck ourselves with, I mean, penalties, 14 penalties in that game for 89 yards. I mean, the yards doesn't even really, uh, you know, uh, measure the magnitude of it because so many of them came at these critical moments when we could have turned the tide and, then of course the I, I cannot think of a more humiliating way to finish what was the most promising season that we've had in I think two decades. I don't think I'm exaggerating saying that. A more humiliating way to finish it than that fucking QB draw uh, with what it was at 12, 14 seconds to go, no timeouts. I, my jaw was on the floor watching that. I literally could not believe it. And then the little scrum at the sideline. I mean, McCarthy and Dak like to blame the referee for not spotting the ball quickly enough. No, it's not his fault. You've got to hand the ball to him immediately, uh, not just put it on the ground so he has to move it again. And then also maybe don't make this fucking bird brain, caveman brain call uh, at this point in the game in the first place. Um, but then watching the clock run out, triple zeros, I mean, that was just, I, I would have so much rather have, you know, taken a sack on a Hail Mary attempt or even thrown a pick on a Hail Mary attempt. Uh, it was just brutal. If you're going to say you practice that um, every week or however much Mike McCarthy said all the time, then you should know it has to be handed to the ref at the end of that. Yes. It has to be handed to the ref. And for Dak to put the ball down, when the guy uh, first watched him, like, wow, that ref fucked up. What is he doing? He's trying to spout it back. He's just trying to get the ball out. He has to touch it. He has to place it. Yes. So Dak mm-hmm. has to know to hand him the ball. That was – I don't hate the play. Um, if you're going to do it, though, you need to execute it right, of course. It's, and I don't say need lightly. You know, I never say anything lightly on this pod. You need to hand the ref the ball. And in 14 seconds, that's going to be tight. Because in a lot of league circles, yeah. that sort of play takes 17 seconds. Well, right. you better be on firing at all cylinders, and they weren't. And it was disappointing. Yeah, and that clock's got to be ticking in your head. I mean, the other thing, too, is that by not handing the ref the ball, I mean, the reason why he was stumbling over them is because they were lining up in his way, and he had to plow through all these mm-hmm. you know guys who are you know, getting down on three-point stance on the line. And so it's, it's absolutely not his fault. I mean, I guess – I still sort of hate the call because for me, and I don't know, fellas, correct me if, if this is the wrong take here in your opinion, but they were doing a, a hardcore sideline defense on that play, right? And the way I see it, I would have sent CD kind of up the middle there, get him a deep ball and give him a chance to do what he does better than anyone in the league, which is make guys miss in the open field after he catches the ball, his yards after catch and his yards after contact. They're incredible. That's his specialty. Also, maybe you've got a chance to lateral it to Amari Cooper. I mean, both of those guys, they need to have a chance to win that game, get the ball in your playmakers hands, or at least get it near them. And by doing that QB draw play, it just seems what we get an extra 12 yards there. It just seems too clever by half when you might have time to take two shots to these guys. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was what was so frustrating, especially since, you know, CD and Amari were so underutilized in that game. The fact that they had such incredible seasons and didn't get the chance to save the season in the final seconds when it counted most was it was really grim to me. Yeah, I think a good point there, Queen hole um zeke didn't have a great game mari cooper had the best game they didn't get cd lamb involved as much i think the top receivers were it's not gallup but cedric wilson is that who it yeah, is yeah yeah gallup's backup essentially dalton schultz and those were like the big playmakers during that game down passes big conversions etc dalton schultz didn't even get going until towards the second half i mean he he didn't do anything for most of the first half yeah, so I, I think it's not only on that last play, but as a game as a whole, you have to get those guys who you've drafted, mm-hmm. traded more, involved more. And I know Zeke might have had a nagging injury for most of the season, but maybe now's the time to have Tony Pollard take a more prominent role, understanding that establishing a run against really good San Francisco defense 
could have been crucial to managing that game. Um, I think just kind of across the board there is something that I noticed too. I, I agree yeah. completely. I mean, with on the point about Zeke and Pollard, I mean, they have been such a great one-two punch in the past, but I totally agree that maybe it's, it's time to give Tony Pollard more of a role. I mean, he's not as much of a power runner between the tackles. And I think, you know, with the struggles that Zeke has had throughout the season over the past, um, you know, three or four weeks, he definitely improved there where he can extend those plays and get the first down with, you know, six, maybe four yards after contact. I don't think Pollard is as good as that. Pollard is better, you know, outside the tackles, doing the sweeps and stuff. But, yeah, I think that Zeke's production has just been fairly underwhelming. And the fact that he had over a 1,000 rushing yards this season and that everyone on the offense had, you know, broke records and so forth uh, for the franchise, I, I think has a lot more to do with just beating up on shitty teams in the NFC East and just kind of bums in general. And, and so I think those numbers are a little deceiving. Yeah. Uh, so listeners, we never even introduced uh, Jack Queen besides the fact that he's been on Come Town, Ben Shapiro and uh, Law 360 podcast. Um, he's our official B-team Cowboys correspondent um, from Dallas. But, I mean, from Austin, but loves, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you, know, you know, a little little background. I mean, Queen, you were so hopeful beginning this year, like a lot of Cowboys fans were. They looked they were them boys for a little bit. So for it oh, to yeah. end on on the QB, the QB draw. And then I thought the funniest thing that you said in the text the other day that I didn't even think about was that huge, like drop at the end of the half that would have put them in field goal range with the sun in his eyes. And you were like, Jerry Jones has been told about this and hasn't mm-hmm. done nothing. And it was it ended up coming to bite him. And I think Jerry Jones, as crazy as he is, he does really want to win a Super Bowl. He's just also nuts. And he, that, if that's his design flaw, that's kind of hilarious that, that happened yeah. to him. I mean, I think that speaks to a lot of the Cowboys problems, obviously, is the role of Jerry Jones and how overbearing he is as owner and GM. I think that's what drives away a lot of top tier coaching talent and why we can't get a good enough coach to make it work with the extraordinarily talented personnel and depth that we have. Because, I mean, personnel is not the problem. It's such a talented mm-hmm. team. I mean, coaching yeah. is the problem, but you're not, I, you're just not going to be able to get a top tier coach. If you have Jerry Jones breathing over their shoulder and micromanaging all the time, I think he's gotten better on that, but the reputation is still there. And so that's going to, you know, drive people away. But yeah, the point about the stadium. So listeners should know that, uh, you know, the way that you're supposed to build a stadium is North South, right? Well, Jerry's, he spent like a billion dollars on it and it's East West. So that means that the the sun, the setting sun just blasts right in from the front end of the stadium. And there's this big open gap in the stadium. That's like, I don't know, a hundred or 200 feet tall and super wide runs basically the length of the stadium. And when the sun is in that notch, it just blasts players in the eye on that side of the field. And it's basically every game that's played at that hour of the day, it becomes a factor. It was with this drop uh, receiver was just completely blinded by the sun. Jerry Jones knew about this during the design phase. And obviously he's known about it since the stadium was constructed because it's a factor in like every other Cowboys home game, but he refuses to plug it up because he likes the aesthetics of it. And so if that's, I think that's probably the most fitting example of the way that Jerry Jones's hubris and megalomania has doomed the Cowboys over the past two decades. Is, is that right there? The glare of the sun. Yeah, they had that CBS spot where they actually showed what the receiver was looking at, and you couldn't see anything. It wasn't just like there's nothing coming in. It was literally blinding sun in his eyes. Um, as our Cowboys correspondent, do you have any insight into why Jerry decided to build the stadium not in the traditional manner of North South, or is that just you know something that will remain a secret with the Jones family until the day they're no longer in existence? Well, you know, I was texting Jerry about this, um, you know, after the game, uh, you know, he was a little bit evasive about it. Um, you know, we were mostly, you know, chatting about it. he he keep he kept wanting to take the conversation in other directions, of course, um, like yellow jackets and uh, the various things he's streaming lately. But uh, I, I would suspect that knowing uh, Jerry loves it. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but Jerry loves it. It's all he wants to talk about. Um, I, I would suspect 
In fact, I, I would say like 90% chance the reason why the stadium is built that way is because the lot size somehow made it to where you could save a lot of money by building it that direction. And it would have cost a lot more to pooch out in the other direction and build it that way. That's the only thing I can assume because, you know, Jerry loves his money. Although it's kind of ridiculous that he did that because the city of Arlington is basically a company town for Jerry Jones and a little bit to a lesser extent, the uh, Texas Rangers, because that's where both of their stadiums are. And the city of Arlington basically uh, just said they never have to pay taxes ever if they built their stadiums there. So uh, he didn't really need to do that, but he did because he's a penny pinching goblin reptile man. Is, is Arlington a Dallas suburb or is it like in Dallas? It's, it's like a Dallas suburb. It takes like, yeah. I mean, that's and also, I mean, I personally love downtown stadiums. I mean, that's why I love uh, the Broncos stadium, for instance. I mean, it's like you get the pickup shot from the blimp or whatever. And it's like, it's right there in the heart of the city. I love that so much. But yeah, with, uh, with the Cowboys and Rangers, it's in Arlington, which is like a 30, 45 minute drive on the interstate mm-hmm. from Dallas proper, which to me is just very lame, but. Also crazy. He's paid no expense on the stadium itself. And to put a football field east west like that, and it's a beautiful stadium. Everyone will agree on that, sure. But when you have that exposed, the step you're trying to create by letting the sun come in, it's going to impact the game more than any regular, even outdoor stadium would, because you're essentially cutting a hole in the side of an outdoor stadium to where there is no like barrier that a typical bowl would create. Right. And the sun Mm -hmm. bearing through the sides and for the Cowboys at a very inopportune time and your biggest game. And as you said, and I would agree 20 years at home in the playoffs and you're building this thing for what a football team in the end. And there they are in their biggest moment, and they need points at the end of the half. And you absolutely fucked yourself by having a sun glare cut out through your kind of concocted, crazily stadium. I, I don't know. Jerry really fucked up. That I will criticize him for, but this roster he's built is very good. He needs it to is very good. Yeah. Looks like he can actually manage this correctly. Yeah, I know. In terms also, of prescriptions going forward, I'm sorry, I'll just finish this thought really quickly. I mean, in terms of personnel, there's no changes I can even think of. I mean, on both sides of the ball and just everything at the beginning of the season in particular was working. These guys are so fucking talented. And to me, it is clearly a coaching issue. And I think that's where Jerry becomes a problem, too. But Lee, other you had good news. For, other good news for Cowboys fans is uh, uh, Romo called a hell of a game. He yeah. mentioned the sun glare. <laughs> He also, when Dak did the draw, he was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to have enough time. And then he also explained the rule about putting the ball down. Mm-hmm. He's just because he knew he's the best like color guy in the league. He's he, he he and he really shined there. So there you go, Queen. That's good news. Hey, you know what? I love to see that. I mean, I was wearing my bootleg Tony Romo jersey through the whole thing that still has a blood stain from when Jerry and I or Harrison and I collided at the holiday bowl in the snow and i had to get stitches on my forehead um so i was wearing that the whole time and you know what else he did that i i like i mean he you know i i guess this is sort of obvious for cowboys nation but maybe it needed to there needed to be a finer point on it for the viewing public is that you know if the if the boys didn't win that game this would not be a successful season and i, I would take it even further by saying that with the talent we had on that squad and the start that we got off to and the record that we finished things with, I mean, to me, it would not have been a successful season if we didn't reach the conference championship. And the mm-hmm. fact that we couldn't even win a wild card round game uh, is it's just it's it's just devastatingly pathetic. I mean, I, I can't even really come up with the words to describe uh, how disappointing that was. What do you say to people that say this is karma for that time? that the refs picked up the flag against the Lions five years ago um, in one of the worst calls in NFL history, in which many people, including Sean McVay, say Matt Stafford actually won his first playoff game during. And then to see Matt Stafford not even do much, but then get his win was cosmic justice. And really, it was all about that, that play. This NFL weekend really came down to the Lions. A lot of people are saying this. Um, and that Matt Stafford winning, um, it was about you guys luckily 2015 game just to people who do say that what are your thoughts uh you know what 
you know what comes to mind is uh that meme where it's don draper in the elevator and the other guy is saying like uh you're you're the ad i i feel bad for you and don draper responds i don't even think about you <laughs> I, I, I had to search my mind to come up with the reference you were coming up with there is that i hate to say it but it's true what didn't even register but you know what if I, I think there's a lot of bad karma against the boys. So you know what? I will agree with you there. That That's probably contributing to the poison chalice that is the Cowboys franchise. Like, there's just a lot of bad karma. People doesn't even think about you. It's kind of what you're So I get it, for sure. So for the first time in B-team history, and we have a guest on, the only person with skin in the game in the NFL playoffs left is, is Jerry, Harry, yeah. with – with his boy Matthew Stafford is still in the playoffs. Harry, mm-hmm. as our resident Stafford fan, this is the last game we haven't covered. Uh, it's approaching midnight here on the East Coast. Uh, what do you think about about the staff uh, the staff infection? Um, you know, in, down in LA. You know, I first off really appreciate all the Jerry Harry uh, self corrections. You guys are really woke, and that's great. I will yeah, say, well, especially since we're coming up with Jerry Jones all the time, it's it's making things even more difficult. Yeah, yeah. Jerry's name is in the title of the show here, so don't you know a okay as it always will be with any of you uh, wonderful folks from the Matt Stafford perspective. I found this to be a wonderful weekend for the city of Detroit. Um, not only we finally show what would happen if we just got him a defense and a head coach really good and especially incredible at spiking his hair perfectly to match his headset. I mean, Sean McVay's hair, this guy, I hate him so much, but got to respect the Why? hair. Why do you hate him that much? He's a dude. He's a dude. Who, who, I haven't seen anyone wearing that haircut since I was in sixth grade in 2003. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, as far as the play on the field, kind of missed a dagger when they were at 14 0, and he missed that shooter on the outside. I think it was to Van Jefferson or Odell. Um, it could have ended the game. Luckily, that following drive after the uh, Rams punted from their 47, Kyler Murray had one of the worst plays in NFL history. He did his best. That was- yeah. It's just like the worst play ever. And then they picked six and end it. So it was great. Stafford didn't have to do much. I was very happy to see him win. As we talked about last week, won a very nice, handsome payout for that as well. Uh, and it's just great. I want him to do well. He's done so much. You know, he left. He bought a, a children's center. This is like, you know, Zoolander-esque in its beauty. He bought a children's center. For kids who can't throw good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Get the Kelly and Matt Stafford kids who can't throw good center for the city. He had to out. He had to outsource the instruction on the throwing good because uh, you know <laughs> quite the snuff on that. <laughs> Jerry and Pimo, you guys are definitely cutting out, but it may sound funnier Jerry's rants hearing them cut out. Well, the kids who can't throw good, um, especially at the most important times of games. But Matt Stafford didn't have to have an important time of the game. So I just hope he really beats Tom next week. I'm rooting for him. It's going to be a tough uphill battle. But, yeah, I mean, you guys don't know what it's like. I'm in the playoffs. Still, you're not. Couldn't have. You know, I can't argue with that. Do you guys – I saw a, a post about this recently back uh, back when they were called the Redskins, or I guess you might have to bleep that out. Um, so yeah, bleep that out. Yeah, the Washington the, – the team that was formerly known by a different name that is now known as Washington football team had – Matt LaFleur at I think it was quarterback or quarterbacks coach and then uh, Kyle Shanahan as I think it was offensive coordinator and then Sean McVay as tight end coach and they were all so incredibly young and they had them all at the same time it's just absolutely remarkable to me I mean Sean McVay and the headshot from that era looks like he's well he looks he's younger I think he was younger than us at the time no he wasn't younger than us at the time but he looks like he was younger than us I mean that's they was, had lightning in a bottle there. When they had, um, what was Jay Gruden as the head coach? Yeah. So, you know, they have all the talent around him. They go with a historic NFL family who's maybe proven their real colors recently. That's not a Redskin joke. Their real, or their real <laughs> hatred of colors. We don't talk about Jay Gruden's coaching tree enough. You know, the sports media, yeah. Jay Gruden did a lot for this league. And he should be really proud of what he sees on the field every Sunday. 
you look at how poorly Belichick's coaching tree has done and how wonderfully Jay Gruden's coaching tree has done. Is Gruden the better Jay Gruden the better coach? Maybe. Question. Well, he's got he's got more potent seeds, maybe. I'll, I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it seems like Belichick's shooting blanks, you know? Yeah, no, the Gruden, yeah, Bel- Gruden seed is strong. I think we know that. <laughs> well, as Lou said, we are approaching the hour on the East Coast where it goes from January 19th to January 20th. Looking ahead, though, to the matchups, you know, it would be bad for our audience, as we always do, making picks. Um, let's just go through each game, starting with that Bengals-Titans game. Queen, who do you like in that game? What do you think? We don't need to do score, um, but, you know, if you have a score, what is it? I like Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry's back. Um, you know, I think the Bengals are kind of riding high right now, but I think the Titans are just a more talented squad all around. Um, I'm going with them. Lee? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bengals. Uh, I think the Titans are frauds. Uh, Derrick Henry's not gonna be fully back. Um, I'm probably gonna be wrong here, but I'm taking the Bengals. They got. They got sick receivers, and the Titans have a good run defense, not a great pass defense. Uh, I feel like there is a there is a little window here for the Bungles to go to the AFC Championship game, which would be fucking crazy. But I'm I'm, I'm picking the Bengals. Fuck it. Maggie. Counterpoint: They're from the state of Ohio, and it's not college, so you know. Good point. Good point. Good <laughs> counterpoint. I completely agree with that point. And unlike the Arizona Cardinals, we saw come to fruition all time. <laughs> Uh, I also am going to take the Titans. In fact, I have the Titans all the way to the Super Bowl. So, uh, hot take. Hot take. Vrabel and the boys, Ryan Tannichill, um, they're going to win this game. It's I think they're going to win it handedly by 10-plus, actually. But they're going to pull out and the Titans roll on to the divisional, pardon me, conference final. All yeah. of pick the Titans, but – I think Joe Burrow has really shown over the past couple of weeks, not just in the playoffs regular season as well, that he's become. I think that that is going. Hey, you, you, cut, you cut out bad there, Pima. What was that? <laughs> bad there. Uh, you know, our producer will handle it. Don't worry about it. We have these issues every week. I think Joe Burrow is becoming one of the better quarterbacks in the league right now, though. Um, and a lot of, you know, as we all know, as you know, D one, D three, whatever athletes that we were, not D one. You know, just speak for yourself. Uh, I think he's becoming a stud, and I think his confidence is infectious to that team. I like the Bengals in this game, and I agree with you, Lee. I think that they could make it to the not just AFC Championship, but possibly the Super Bowl. Wow! You know what they're calling? You know what they're calling Joe Burrow and Cincy right now? Joe Burrow, because oh. he's playing, he's balling in the cold, and he's cold right now. He's oh. that dude's cold. He's got, he's got ice in his veins too. Uh, ice in his veins. In great segues, we go up to the frozen tundra. Oh. Oh. This is how you know it's a quality podcast, baby. We're all about the segue. This podcast, fucking Paul Blart Jr. Who do you like in this one, Queen? Wait, Nine- which one? Niners. Versus Packers. Oh, I mean, I like Packers. I, I, look, I, look, not to sound reductive here, um, I, I just think that you can't bet against Aaron Rodgers in a matchup like this. I mean, all season he's shown that he can win these games with even with all of his weapons gone, with his offensive line stripped for parts and bare, none of his receivers there available for him. I mean, it, he's a master of the late game comebacks. And while he's, you know, had his struggles in the playoffs for sure, I just, I, I cannot bring myself to bet against Aaron Rodgers in this matchup. Um, I think the 49ers are riding high. They played incredibly well against the Cowboys, and I will 100% give them that. But as we discussed earlier, I mean, I don't know if we discussed this, but, you know, Jimmy G, he played really well, but then he also gave the Cowboys a lot of opportunities to win that game late. And that included throwing a really, really dumb interception. And that is the type of mistake as a quarterback that you cannot make when you're up against Aaron Rodgers, because he will make you bleed when you do something like that. Here's the difference between those other Rodgers teams that you talked about where his receivers were hurt and his offensive line was battered and his defense sucked. 
that's not the case this year. Their offensive line is great. They have two sick running backs. Uh, Devontae Adams is all you need with the other guys are able to make enough plays and their defense is the best they've had in years. I got the Packers winning the Super Bowl and I think they're going to win this game, but the Niners are sick. They're great. I love the Niners, but Packers are winning this game. Yeah, I both of these franchises a lot. Um, you know, I don't, I know I'm not speaking. It's everybody. Not coming from a great porch um, Lions fandom to do so, but I hate him so much. And I hate to say this, but yeah, I also think Aaron Rodgers wins this game. Wait for my pick of conference championship. It'll be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers pulls this one out. I just don't think Jimmy G has enough win in Lambeau on the road. What a terrible, one of the worst playoff interceptions ever. I'm just going to say it. That was yeah. Um, and the Cowboys should have won that game because of it. But this time, the Rodgers and the Rodgers Dahlia will take advantage of Jimmy G's mistake if it's close even and win this game. I agree. Lee, I also have the Packers winning the Super Bowl as well um, for everything that everyone else on this pod has said. So moving to Sunday, and this is the day as football fans that we Unbelievable matchup, starting with that early one, Bills, Chiefs. We talked about it a little earlier in the pod here. Gave some insights into our picks. I think we're all kind of leaning um, just based on their caliber. Jerry, what do you got there, though? The Chiefs versus the Bills. Is that the early game? That's the early game. Is it? Is it? I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Could well, be wrong. Whenever our they, they are playing on Sunday and <laughs> – <laughs> they, they, I, I, got, I mean, I don't. The bill, the uh, uh, Bucks can win this game, but goes without saying they're the favorites. But I'm gonna ride the Rams train, um, not because of Sean McVay's hair. I think I made that quite clear. <laughs> and Stafford pulled this out. Rams have put everything in to win a Super Bowl this year or next year, and they're not going out in the divisional round. Tom Brady loses come Sunday, and the Rams move on. Lee, you were right. Our producer did a quick check. It is actually the late game. Um, so looking towards that early game here, Rams-Bucks, that's also going to be a great game. Queen, who you got in that one? Um, this one's tough for me. I mean, I think that, you know, midway through the season, I think this happened with a lot of elite teams. What happened with the Rams, I mean, around the time that they picked up Von Miller, I thought, you know, how are they tripping up like this? They have so much talent on both sides of the ball. It just doesn't seem right to me. Um, and you know, at the same time, it's, it's really hard for me to ever bet against Brady, but I mean, as hot as the Rams have looked lately, what, what they did, um, over the weekend, um, I also think that Aaron Donald with the pass rush against Brady, like Brady is going to get very, very frustrated. And we've seen in the past when Brady gets frustrated, um, uh, it can sometimes be hard for him to bounce back from that. Uh, because he's not used like when he, you get enough hits and hurries off of him and tipped balls, he gets he gets frustrated. And I think that could be a factor big time. Um, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and pick the Rams, too. I think I'm going to pick the Rams. I think the Rams have a way healthier team. Uh, I think they match up really well. Uh, I think the. Bucks defense is and offense is pretty decimated with injuries. Um, you know, no Godwin, uh, Vita mm-hmm. Bay is beat up. Their secondary is beat up. Is, is Evans back? He Evans is, is right. playing. He's balling. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. No AB, obviously. Um, mm. Having said that, uh, I am picking the Bucks. Uh, I, think, I think Brady has a healthy offensive line, and I think that's all he's going to need. And the Bucks have looked like shit a lot of the year. But there's a lot of times where the Patriots look like shit and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. I don't think the Bucs are winning the Super Bowl right now, but I think they're going to win this game. But a couple of quick counterpoints. I mean, one, they did that with Belichick and, uh, you know, Bruce Arians. Bruce no Arians? You don't trust Pardon? Bruce Arians? You don't trust Not Bruce as much Arians as I would trust today? Belichick in this situation. I mean, notwithstanding what happened uh, to the Pats uh, recently here. But, um, no, and then – you know, also, I mean, do you think that offensive line is healthy enough and strong enough to withstand the pass rush from Von Miller and Aaron Donald? They have a good line. Tristan Wirfs, all pro. Uh, they got uh, their center was a pro bowler. They're, they're good. They got running backs are kind of balling. 
if playoff Lenny comes back, I don't know if, I mean, like to like form and then they got Keyshawn Vaughn who's balling uh, Gio Bernard and um, Ronnie, Ronnie Jones, um, my boy, Ronnie. Uh, I think they can, they can control the clock and, and win this game. Yeah. If they get the running game going, I think you might be right, but yeah, we'll see. Friend of the pod, Ronnie. Yeah. He's, he's been on a couple of times. Yeah. Lee, I think you bring up a good point, but I have heard sources say that, uh, Werfs, Werfs, whatever his name is, is actually in a walking boot right now. There's going to be a game decision for that. And Queen, you mentioned it earlier. Vaughn Miller throughout his career has been the one player who can get to Tom Brady. Really. Oh, good point. Good point. We're in the business of right bringing our own personal biases. The games we don't, that do don't that matter here. anymore. We don't do that here. Oh, we do that. We do that. 2015 AFC Championship game. Vaughn Miller was the one who got into Tom Brady's head. He was hitting him even when he was getting the ball out. He picked him off in that game. Picked him off, that's right. Um, Led to, you know, a big seven points there. Not six points, seven points, which ultimately meant the difference in the game on that missed Gustavski kick. Um, I think Von Miller has a massive game, and the Rams pull out this win going to the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. Especially with Aaron Donald pulling doubles giving Vaughn even more opportunities off the edge. I, I, I 100% agree. Well, perfect. Um, Queen, as a, a longtime listener, you know how we wrap this up. Uh, we talked about the last game. We all picked the Chiefs. Not so fast, my friends. <laughs> I got the Bills winning the game. Josh, Jerry, go off. Go off. Allen comes into Kansas City, takes his stamp, and puts it all over the league. Big, beautiful stamp. The Bills will win this game with their defense, the number one defense in the entire National Football League. The Chiefs have shown to be frauds throughout the season, right? They lost to the Broncos. They didn't lose, but a lot of (laughs) us think they did. And they, yeah, they took care of business, as we saw in the first round. I still think they're a wobbly Chiefs team compared to what we've seen over the last four seasons. And I think the Bills get it done in Kansas City this year. Oh, yeah. I say Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead. That's all I'm going to say. Chiefs. Well, before we rehash that just a little bit, um, the way that we normally wrap this podcast up is a little segment called One Last Thing. Queen, I know you're familiar, but since our audience has been growing so massively the past couple of weeks, I'm going to explain it to some people who are new to this podcast and have made it this far. Uh, this is just a time for, you know, anything that might be on your mind, whether that's the sports, the economy, the weather. Uh, it's one last thing. I'll start us off here. Yellow Gatorade is my favorite flavor of Gatorade. Replacing Cool Blue, one last thing. Uh, one last one last thing uh the um it's a huge weekend for sports obviously and i know most of our listeners will be tuning in to uh the battle for the gold pan um colorado college versus denver uh that'll be played at the same time as as the saturday night football game but so i'm sure we're gonna have double screens and have uh the gold pan matchup um so go tigers uh one last thing George H.W. Bush is not given enough credit for this, but at the end of the Cold War, he was actually pinnacle in um, reuniting Germany. And that's kind of overlooked a lot of times in foreign but George H.W. did a wonderful job in bringing back and reuniting the country of Germany. And since then, they've been a really great powerhouse for progressive policy um, across the Western world. One last thing. George H.W. Bush is progressive. Wow. <laughs> George H.W. Bush, progressive hero. I love it. Um, in that, in a similar vein, uh, my last thing is that locusts, a.k.a. plagues of locusts that decimate crops and uh, swarm areas and stuff, and it continues to this day in Africa. It's a huge problem for their food security. They're not a different species or anything. They're just regular-ass grasshoppers. What happens is they can sense weather patterns incoming that are going to drop a lot of rain on areas that will lead to a lot of grass growing really quickly, and that triggers this response in them where they gather up really closely together and they're rubbing legs and shit. And that releases a lot of serotonin. And then 
triggers this epigenetic change where they grow in size and become way more horny and start breeding like crazy and have swarming behavior where they fly and go just like eat everything in their path. And so with the serotonin aspect and the getting really close together and rubbing together aspect, a plague of locust is kind of just like a regular ass grasshopper rave getting out of hand. One last thing. I want to join that. You heard the AT alien, so back the hell up off. Softly as if I play piano in the dark. Found a way to channel my anger, not to involve. The world's a stage and everybody got to play their part. God works in mysterious ways, and when he starts the job of speaking through us, we be so sincere with this here. No drugs alcohol so i can get the signal clear as day put my block away i got a stronger weapon that never runs out of ammunition so i'm ready for war okay throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care and if they like fish and grits and all that pimp shit everybody let me hear you say oh yeah girl. now throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care and if they like fish and grits and all that pimp shit everybody let me hear you say oh yeah girl.